If you're tired of the superficial and you're craving real conversation about life, relationships, fears, doubts, and the divine in the middle of it, this is the place for you. My name is Anna Dimmel, and I'm a blogger, writer, and former pastor. And it's my passion to build bridges, not walls, through honest, real conversation and connection. And I want that for you. This is the show that will help you do that and give you not only inspiration and connection, but will help you leave the superficial for good and form the real connections you're craving. Your story matters, and I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Hey there, welcome to the podcast. I'm Anna Dimmel. I'm happy you're joining us this week. In this week's episode, I'm talking all about those little reactionary moments that we have that we may think are normal, but oftentimes the people around us might think differently. And the moments I'm talking about are when we fly off the handle for no reason, or we feel fear and panic rush in like we just don't even know where it came from. These moments that our body and our mind respond and react to things that doesn't really match our reaction, that's what I'm digging into today. I had quite the revelation this past week, and I'm anxious to share it with you. But before we dive in, I have to thank Alice Ranker. She is a supporter of this podcast, and this podcast is brought to you by her. She is a Patreon, and she supports us monthly. And Alice, you are a gift. You are a jewel, and I am so thankful every day for you. You truly help this podcast keep moving. Thank you, thank you, thank you. For any of you interested in learning more about how to support this work, you can hop over to my website, justajesusfollower.com, and click on the button Patreon. I also have to say, if you would like to connect anyway through social media, all those fun ways, I would love to connect with you. You can find me on Instagram, and I'm on Facebook too. And I'm not so good with the Twitter thing, although I know it's super trendy. I'm just, I'm not there yet. But if you want to come say hi on Instagram or Facebook, I would love to say hi. I'd love to connect. Looking forward to hearing from you guys after this episode. So let's get to it. Here we go. Do you ever have moments where you completely overreact to something that you shouldn't be reacting the way you are to? Like moments when you feel a wave of panic and you're like, why am I panicking right now? Or this huge like feeling, this rush feeling of fight or flight kicks in over something that seems pretty minimal. Or one day you're just doing a mundane activity and something triggers you and you feel this need to protect yourself. This like fear thing kicks in and you feel really panicked and afraid and like you need to figure something out really quickly. Sometimes we think that this is normal. <laughs> like sometimes we're aware that this is an abnormal reaction, but a lot of times, at least for me, I really believed that some of these reactions were justified. And I noticed this specifically in my intimate relationships, such as marriage, where something would be said or something would be done. 
and I would fly off the handle. Like it was the most devastating, terrifying thing that could happen. And my partner would look at me and he'd be like, um, okay. And I was just flabbergasted that he didn't get it, that he didn't understand why this made me freak out the way it did. I think for a lot of us, we get into these patterns of reactionary behaviors that we just accept as normal. And that's just me. Just deal with it. And I suppose that's okay. But for my fellow truth seekers out there and people who like digging, right, like peeling back all the layers of the onion of their insides, which seems to be something I cannot stop doing, these reactions have started to get my attention. And this past week, I had this wave of of fear. And the fear was coming from being forgotten. And I know that that may sound like an odd thing to be afraid of, but in my head, in my world, that feels very normal. That is a normal thing to be terrified of. And I feel this fear in the most random of circumstances. Like, for instance, when I was visiting with my in-laws, my previous in-laws, and we were talking and everything was fine, talking about the kids and all that. We have a great relationship. And as I was driving away, this wave of panic hit me that, oh my gosh, we're no longer married and they're all going to forget about me. My time investing in this family is no longer going to matter. They're going to forget. And, and I felt this, this flood of, of um, fight or flight thing come over me where I felt like I have to fix it. I have to somehow make sure that I stay memorable. And then I start to obsess in my brain thinking about this. This is not something that anybody on the surface knows about, but these are the things that quietly play in my head at the most random of times. And this is just one example of a reaction that to me feels normal, but to other people, they're like, what? Why are you so freaked out about that? And I had this moment where I stopped myself and I was like, what is it that's bothering me? Like, why am I so obsessed with feeling like people are going to forget me? I talked to my friend Kirby shortly after. I've had her on the show before. So a lot of you know who I'm talking about. And she's just a wealth of psychology information. I mean, she's just like a computer. It's like a Google search engine in her brain. And so I called her and I was like, Kirby, talk me off the ledge. Why am I freaking out about being forgotten? And kid you not, this is what she said to me. She said, I don't know. You should ask your little self. And I was like, ask my little self. Like, what What are we what are you talking about? I was like, I don't even know that reference. I don't know what you're talking about. She's like, you need to sit down with little Anna and ask her why that is so important to her. And I paused and I was like, little Anna, you mean like me when I was a kid? She's like, "Uh uh-huh. The age you were when trauma hit, how old were you? And that's easy for me. I was like, well, eight. And she said, ask her, ask eight-year-old you why she's afraid of being forgotten. And of course, we move on to talk about other things, but I, when she said that, the gravity of it really resonated with me. You know, like when you hear something that sounds so true that 
you don't even know it's true yet, but you can tell just by the way your insides respond. That's how I felt when she said that to me. So I went home and, you know, went about my business and kind of forgot about it. And the next day, out of nowhere, that same panic was activated inside of me. And I was like, okay, other people don't deal with this. I'm learning. This is unique to me. Why am I so afraid of this? And so I sat down and just kind of closed my eyes, did my meditation thing. And I was like, okay, little Anna. And I sat down and I kind of envisioned myself at that age as best as I could remember with my chubby cheeks and my big brown eyes and little curly wispies around my hair because I didn't have a straightener yet. And so I was all like frizzy. And I just imagined that little cute face and I said, why are you so worried about people forgetting about you? And instantaneously, the words just flooded my mind. And I heard the story from my little eight-year-old's mouth in, in my head. Little Anna was telling me, because people always forget. When I moved from one city to another city, my, my friends forgot about me. When I moved schools and was the new kid about five times, each time I switched to a different school, my friends at the old school forgot about me. They moved on. When I moved away from my relatives, I felt like my cousins kind of bonded and had this whole thing without me. And when I grew up and went into adulthood and got married and then bonded with that family unit and that person and all of our friends and then divorce happened and it was ugly and messy, I went on and he remarried and life went on without me as though I hadn't ever been there. And so as I'm replaying these thoughts in my head and I'm hearing this tiny little childlike voice tell me the story of how things happened, things that felt big, big changes happened and the world went on and it was as though me being present hadn't mattered. I remembered when the abuse started, when I was sexually abused, when I was eight, and how my parents responded so well to that and got me out of that situation very quickly. They were great. But after that, the world went on. It's like that was forgotten. That piece of me was forgotten. Same with abuse in my first marriage. Like I said, when I moved on, it was as though that hadn't happened. It was forgotten. And so this theme in my head of change and people moving on and people that you love and invest in forgetting about you is a trauma trigger for me. And as I was sitting there hearing these words come to my mind, I mean, just my heart just broke for this little kid. I know that may sound strange, but but I was having empathy towards little me. I was I was feeling compassion and hurt and heartache for this little kid who just wanted her friends to remember her, who just wanted to feel like the abuse she went through mattered, who wanted to feel like when she fell in love and was deeply wounded in that place that that mattered, that people remembered, that the investments she made counted. 
I sat there and I, I felt the weight of all of that. And all of a sudden, everything clicked. Everything made sense. Of course, I feel this trigger of trauma when I feel like people are starting to move on. And I called Kirby back because I just felt like I had no idea what to do with this information because I felt like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. And now what? Now what do I do? And wise Kirby tells me, she said, well, now it's your job to grow her up. Because as I've learned, all of us have a little version of us in our heads advocating their story. You, at the age you were, when trauma hit or abuse hit or something big in your life shifted that that struck a chord in you, that age of you is constantly playing lawyer in your head, telling you all the evidence that proves that's going to happen again. It sends you warning signs and fear messages trying to protect you because that's what that little kid's job is. Little Anna, little me, her job is to protect me from ever feeling that again because it felt so bad. And so she is arguing her case 24-7 inside my mind, doing what she thinks she should to protect me. And as I was listening to Kirby, and she was saying to me, your job now is to take her hand like a mom would to a little girl and tell her adult things because it's time to grow up. Little kids think that the world is ending over small things. Little me thinks that someone moving on in life is a signal that I didn't matter. But the truth is, that doesn't mean I didn't matter. The truth is, and adults know this, children don't know this, but adults know this, People are in our life for a season. We go through seasons. Seasons change. People move on. That's healthy. It's not healthy to sit clinging to an old thing, especially an old relationship. It's not healthy for me on the flip side when my friends move away to sit in a state of grief and sadness wishing they could come back. That's not healthy. I have to let them go to their new life. And then I move on with new friendships here. So it became my job to sit my little self down and grow her up and teach her that she doesn't have to be afraid of that anymore. To teach her that people do move on and that's actually healthy. You want them to move on. You don't want them to stay stuck because you don't need to stay stuck either. Just because someone moved on doesn't mean you're forgotten. Everything that you did mattered. Of course, they're going to remember you. But it's okay to let them go and move on. It's funny, now that I'm aware of this, every time I feel that flinch of panic over that particular thing, it's like I go inside myself and I sit down and I have a one-on-one and I'm like, okay, we're going to grow you up again. And it's almost parental. It's like you have to hold the hand of your younger self and bring them up to speed on what has happened since their trauma. The wisdom that you now have, the information, the knowledge, all of the life experience, all the scientific facts, all the psychology, if you will, all of it, you get to teach little you, little small stuck 
abandoned, traumatized you. You get to grow them up. A friend of mine called me today and she had just come back from visiting her mom and she was telling me, she's like, I felt nothing but panic and anxiety the entire time I was visiting my mom. The whole time I was in my my childhood house with my mom, all I felt was a constant uneasiness, a constant fight or flight thing. And she's like, I don't even know why. Like, she's like, I mean, my mom is not easy to get along with, but nothing was happening per se to make me react this way. Why am I like this? What's wrong with me? And of course, I unloaded on her what I just unloaded on you. And as we were talking, we I kind of walked her through this and she was like, oh my gosh, younger me. And she, she knew, she knew she's like 10 year old me. I knew that my mom was not okay. I knew that she was going to fly off the handle at any minute. I knew that our house would become chaotic and unsafe at any given time. And I had to quickly figure out how to protect myself in that environment. And so every time she's in that home, that part of her is triggered. 10-year-old self starts advocating on her behalf saying, hey, 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 you better start protecting yourself. You better get ready to leave. You better get ready to walk out the door because this is what happens in this house. And if this happened again, you would not be okay. It would break you again. So of course she felt panic. Of course she felt fear. Of course she felt a fight or flight take over because her 10-year-old self was screaming bloody murder in her head. As we talked through this, she completely had this revelation and she was like, oh my gosh, now I get why I am around my family the way I am. And so we got off the phone and um, she did the whole process I just shared with you of sitting down with her younger self and reassuring her that it's okay, that even if her mom were to lose it and fly off the handle and the house would become chaotic, She's a grown-up. She can protect herself. So she does not need to fear and need someone to protect her. She can now stand up for her own self, grab her own keys and walk out the door and drive away. She has power now. But see, 10-year-old her didn't have power. 10-year-old her was searching for someone to protect her, was searching for someone to shield her so she would feel safe. But she doesn't need that anymore because she's grown up. And so you can see how so many of our reactionary things, whether it be around family, whether it be around random circumstances, kind of like my fear of being forgotten, that just start triggering this reaction in you that you may think is completely rational and completely normal. I'm just going to throw it out there that it might not be normal. This might not just be a you thing. This might be a little you thing. A little you thing that doesn't need to be a thing anymore. I kind of am amazed by this. And I'm finding myself kind of like a little treasure chest trove, right? Like digging inside of me going, oh my gosh, what other little advocates do I have that are tied to my childhood that I need to have a conversation with? How much of me and my responses to certain behaviors and environments can I grow up from? 
I think for a lot of us that come from the church background, so much of the idea of trauma and pain and abuse or anything that relates to childhood so often is packaged in a box that contains a lot of prayer, that contains a lot of forgiveness, that contains a lot of outside intervention for people to pray for you, for people to to walk through um, breaking soul ties and and saying words of forgiveness, things like that. And I'm not saying any of that is wrong or bad. I am a huge forgiveness advocate. I, I wrote a book on it for Pete's sake. I'm I'm all about that. But I I feel like there's there's a simple element that often gets brushed aside. The circles I came from, they didn't like much worldly psychology. So the idea of addressing your younger self or addressing the child in you was kind of frowned upon as not being as powerful, say, as prayer or, you know, exercising demons or something like that. And I I agreed with them for quite some time, but truth be told, I did all of that stuff and none of it was as powerful as this 10 minute conversation I had with this little tiny child inside of me, like none of it. And so I I feel like although spiritual things are so beautiful and so powerful, and I believe in all the stuff, all the light, all the powers of dark, I, I believe they all exist. But sometimes we can kind of over-spiritualize stuff just for the sake of over-spiritualizing it and and then over-dramatize something that really doesn't have to be as dramatic. I think, as I said before, the simplicity that sometimes rests in our own instinct in trusting that the creator, the divine, made you with everything you need inside of you to figure this stuff out, that we kind of like check our own wisdom and our own instinct at the door and just do as we're told. There's something really powerful when you tap into your own inner voice. And I know I talk about that a lot, but I think specifically when you're dealing with, with triggers such as trauma that result in anxiety, panic, depression, fear, all the things that so many of us struggle with, there's often a voice inside of you that kind of has a clue. You know, I like to look at it this way. Nobody else has experienced your trauma other than you. Like when I was eight and going through what I was going through, my my pastors that I've had over the years, they weren't in that room with me. My therapist wasn't there with me. My friends and counselors and Christian leaders that I was around, none of them were with me. No one lived that experience but me. No one. So to deny my own instinct and my own revelations and the own power of what my insides might be guiding me towards doing is just ludicrous. Because just as much as that little Anna of eight years old has the power to advocate so loudly in the background that I don't even know what's going on that causes me to respond in ways of fear and panic that seem instinctual. That same mind of mine has the ability to advocate health. That same mind of mine has the ability to sit down and have an adult conversation inside my own head 
and help my little self grow up. There is so much power and energy and insight inside of our own minds that at least in the Christian world I was in, so much of that was denied. And I'm not really sure that it was intentionally denied. I just think, like I said, sometimes things can be over-spiritualized. Now, do I think that prayer is great? Yes. Do I think therapy is great? Yes. Do I think medication is great? Yes, 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 yes. I do all of the above. But don't leave smart you out of the equation. And I've never seen the power of my own mind like I did in this scenario. And and I'm sure I'm going to keep discovering new things that I can explore in my own brain and in my own past and in my own trauma that I can walk through much more easily than I thought I could before. But my point is, you're on a journey too, and you have your own story too. And I imagine there are things in your life that pop up and flare you up in ways that you may think are totally normal, but your spouse may think they're like a bit over the top, or your kids may complain that it's a bit dramatic or a bit scary of a reaction, or even you at times might be like, gosh, why do I do that? Why do I fly off the handle about this little thing? I hate myself for that, right? Like we are like the most self-deprecating people in our own brains sometimes towards ourselves. I just want to challenge you to revisit little you. What was the age that you were when everything exploded? The age you were that you lost your innocence, the age you were that you realized people aren't who they say they are, the age you realized that you couldn't trust like you thought you could. When you revisit that you, I guarantee you that you has a lot to say. And I guarantee you that little you has been saying a lot since that day. A lot that you think is just normal in your head, but it doesn't have to be normal. That little you is surviving because we are made to survive. That's how the human race has continued. We're survivors by nature. No one even has to teach you how to survive. Instinctively, from the moment you're born, you are in survival mode. You are constantly surveilling your environment, constantly reading body languages and picking up signals, all to preserve your life. We're made that way. So that small child that went through what you went through, he or she is advocating for your survival from that point forward. And it's not necessarily a bad thing. It may have aided you in years past. But now, as an adult, you can offer the comfort to that little person that they so desperately needed back then. You can offer the words of healing and wisdom that they so needed after that event happened. You now can take the hand of that little person and reassure them that it's all okay that they don't have to be afraid because you are never going to leave and you're strong and you will protect them and you will defend them and you will speak out for them and they don't need to worry. It's okay. There's so much power in visualizing things. And for me, when I did this particular exercise, visualizing that little face of mine, it broke my heart, but it also made so much of 
the self-deprecating go away. Because I think when we overreact or when we have these patterns or habits we fall into that we don't like about ourselves, we can be so mean and harsh with ourselves. But when you realize that it's just tiny you, it's this little kid that doesn't know any better throwing a tantrum. There's this wave of empathy that you begin to feel for yourself that that takes away all of that hatred. It takes away the the self-shaming thoughts and it it becomes replaced with compassion. When we're able to see ourselves and our stories with compassion that we often extend to other people but rarely give ourselves, that's a game changer. Because at that point, you take your power back. At that point, you're then able to be the one calling the shots. That terrified, scared reaction is no longer in the driver's seat. But grown-up wise, you has some life experience on you. It's now taken back control. And not in an overstepping way, but in a compassionate, loving, almost parental nurturing way. So much of the trauma we've gone through and the pain that we carry from our stories, especially when we were younger, there's such a need for just protection. There's such a need to feel seen and a need to feel like somebody gets it, like somebody sees you. When you're able to step into that role for yourself, it's like... It's like the world has color again. It's like it's like Superman when he gets his muscles out and he's like, oh my gosh, look at me. I'm a superhero. Wow, look at me. Right? It's almost like that. You like look at yourself in a whole different light like, wow, I've overcome some tough stuff, but look at where I've gotten. Look at where I'm going and look at how I'm healing. It's a powerful thing. It's a powerful thing. I encourage you to sit down with younger you, have those conversations, have those revisiting moments, and you might be surprised at how you respond and how you react. I want to know. I want to hear all the things. So send me a message. Send me an email if you want. Send me some sort of reaching out message that tells me what this experience was like for you because I'm fascinated by this. I'm cheering you on, and, and I believe there are great things ahead for all of us. Go in peace. Hey there. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. You can find my blog and links to my Instagram and Facebook account on my website at justajesusfollower.com. I hope you join us next week for another raw, honest conversation. In the meantime, go in peace and know that you are enough.